Hello and welcome to another episode of Primary Sources. You know what this is all about by now. Somebody gets read a letter, they react to it, their thoughts can go anywhere they want, just reacting naturally to these primary sources. I'm Dave and we're turning the tables on this occasion because my guest is... It's me, Rob! Hello Rob, how are you? Hello Dave, I'm well, let's get into it. So Rob, we, I'm going to read you three letters and get your reactions from... Mm. Issue 63 of Sonic Screwdriver, the fanzine of the Doctor Who Club of Victoria. This was published in March of 1991. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So, letter one is titled Reverberation of the Daleks. It was sent in by Jason Towers. Dalek Continuity, the article to which Nicholas referred to in Sonic Screwdriver 61, was a limp noodle. David Howe took two pages of Doctor Who magazine to present the sort of fantasy fans might make up as a joke. Davros was a clone indeed. When you consider the article was intended for professional publication, and in the Doctor Who Bible no less, I think it's fair to say the writer should have put some effort into coming up with something a bit less far-fetched. Why is it so distasteful to take remembrance at face value? When the Daleks put Davros on trial, they were having a difficult time. They liked what he had to offer, so they made him Emperor. No doubles, no hostile takeovers. The very fact they put him on trial instead of just shooting him indicates they wanted to hear what he had to say. An article in the latest Pirate Planet goes into this in more depth, but that's about the size of it. What do you think, Rob? Well, so this was some sort of debate over how Davros got to be Emperor, it sounds like? It sounds like, yes. Tried to make all of that Davros continuity work. Gosh, well this makes me think of the wider sort of implications of of Dalek continuity in general and it doesn't really mesh up most of the time does it really no (laughs) it's uh, I mean gosh we were talking in a recent uh, episode it'll be a few episodes ago now of our monthly show where I was talking about the ruined Scaro we see at the start of uh, Asylum of the Daleks and I was saying, you know, when, when Sly McCoy blew up Scaro, presumably it was a working Scaro. Yet here is a Scaro that hasn't blown up, but it's a non-working Scaro. It's a, it's a sort of half-destroyed, sort of deserted Scaro. How is this possible? It doesn't really fit with what happened in Remembrance, of all things, because we're talking about Remembrance here. So, you know, I... <laughs> I think fans have got more forgiving with this sort of stuff over time. I think back to something like 1991, the late 80s, the early 90s, when I was getting into fandom, and people were very much like this. And and as I flick through Doctor Who magazines, trying to find, you know, interesting uh, letters pages to do future primary sources with, I find people who are arguing the most convoluted sort of stuff, and this was really important stuff back then. And I find today, to go off on a tangent here... People, newer fans, and even some older fans, are more inclined to be like, yeah, everything's canon, everything's cool, it all fits. You know, our, our good friend Steve uh, Steve B from New to Who often says it's like Greek mythology. It's, it's people just sort of telling stories and they might not sort of line up. But that's okay. It's just stories, you know. And, and I find, sometimes I find the modern attitude frustrating because I, I sometimes do like a nice tight piece of continuity and something to be canon and we get from A to B to C and I can see all the dots. But sometimes it is nice not to have letters like this all the time in Doctor Who magazine <laughs> or people talking like this in fandom all the time because it does get, let's be honest, it does get a bit, uh, a bit tiresome, shall we say. 
It does. And the answer to the question of what is the correct Dalek continuity is that it just doesn't work because it wasn't written that way. Mm. Which is what you can say for Doctor Who more broadly as well. Different production teams, different writers, everyone coming in and having a go. It's basically the modern Star Wars trilogy writ large across 57 years. (laughs) It is. Would you like another one, Rob? I would love another one, Dave, because this is the first time I've ever done this, the first time I've been on this side of the mic. That was actually quite fun just to go off on a tear like that. So this letter is titled, Ah, and is written by Matthew Bowen. Okay. I was very sorry to read in Sonic Screwdriver 61's hourly telepress that Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred most likely won't be returning to Doctor Who. I suspect that such a decision will only plunge the show back into the dark times it experienced when Doctor Who was untimely dismissed, for we have seen that it takes at least a season for a new Doctor to assert himself, or perhaps herself, now that Verity Lambert is at the helm. And the thought of another Clayton's regeneration a la Time and the Rani is not one I relish. Am I therefore justified in assuming that season 27 will be rubbish? How can the writers possibly be expected to come up with storylines that lay down the groundwork for a new Doctor and Companion, whoever they are, and continue to develop the Doctor's character and the mythology that surrounds the whole show, thus making a half-decent story? The answer is they can't. And I fear that the new actors, writers and producers' uncertainty about the new Doctor will be transferred to our TV screens and will be forced to endure another season, the likes of season 24. (laughs) That's the end of the letter? That's the end of the letter. Alright, can we start again? Can can I have the the month and the the year of this again? Uh, March 1991. March... So it's March 1991, and this fella is still wondering whether Sly McCoy and, and Sophie are coming back. <laughs> and assumes, well, he assumes the show's coming back. He's, he's waiting for season 27. And so the, a whole yearly cycle has been missed, and we're beyond it at this point, and he still, he still thinks that. That's, could that be because of when the show was being screened here and fans just weren't thinking in the proper timelines? or Because surely a year and a bit on, you think, well, Christ, the show's not coming back at all, is it? Not, not when is it coming back? Well, I think we're in that period where the BBC hadn't said the show wasn't coming back. They just said that John Nathan Turner wasn't coming back. And uh, while they hunted for a new production team, there'll be a slight delay in the series. Dot, dot, dot. Nothing was heard again. Yeah, but isn't it interesting where, like, a a six-month hiatus back in 85, there's that word, hiatus. You know, I don't think fans had ever heard of the word before, but now we all know the word hiatus very well. Six months was a big deal, and here we're beyond 12 months, and and people are still holding out hope. Yet he also seems quite stressed that, you know, writers are going to come in and it's all going to be a big mess. Whereas I would have... Hmm, let me think. I'm thinking what I would have thought at the time. I was kind of moving away from Doctor Who, so it's kind of hard to know for sure. But I would have thought, you know, particularly with the backlash against JNT and we need fresh blood, we need new ideas, and, you know, Cartmel had done that to some degree. I thought this would have been a, a sort of a popular thing. You know, like, let's get some new people in, even if the regeneration does have to be the Clayton's regeneration that he mentions. I think it it would have been more exciting to think about. Um, mm, It's hard. It's sort of hard to put myself back in that mindset and know for sure. But I'm thinking I would have maybe liked to have seen something new at that point. You know, I know the show had had a great upswing with Sylvester and Sophie, 
but it was probably time-ish for them to be moving on anyway. They'd had three seasons. That seems pretty good. You know, certainly a fourth would have been the end for Sylvester anyway, even with the contract he had. Hmm. I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I'm, in, I'm intrigued by the way this guy's thinking about it all. What did you make of the comment that it takes over a season for the new Doctor and companion to get into the role? I think that had probably been true for this this chap's experience of Doctor Who in this era, but I don't think it has to be true of Doctor Who at all. I think the Doctor can be very well written from the start and just come in and boom, 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 off he goes. Tom Baker's like that. Um, Pertwee is like that. Uh, <laughs> I dare say Pat Troughton's like that, you know. Davo, Davo's a bit hit and miss. I mean, I love Davo. Uh, but then you get to Colin, and Colin's first season is... Mm, but his second season isn't much better. Certainly for Sylvester. Maybe this guy's only thinking of like Sylvester's first season being... Eh, and, you know, and then coming in in the second season and with, you know, Remembrance of the Daleks and so on. Wow, you know, Doctors are great in their second season. Maybe that's colouring his line of thought. I, I don't know without knowing the chap. But it could be. Maybe if he was a younger type person writing this letter, that's, that's the only uh, experience of a Doctor coming in and sort of watching the uh the stories year by year that he had had perhaps and so to him it was natural that doctors took a a season to get going but they don't have to not by any means to me it was very interesting to read letters in this issue and around this period more generally that were all kind of annoyed that sylvester wasn't getting a fourth series and certainly that sophie wasn't getting a third series compared to the letters about four years ago where nobody was enthusiastic about the casting of Sylvester McCoy. Mm. Well, that is very true. I mean, gosh, I'm, it's partly, I guess, that we, we'd had, again, the hiatus, and then Colin's next series hadn't done anything new. Colin was out the door, the Clayton's regeneration, into a guy who stuffed ferrets down his pants and hammered nails up his nose. Who is he? he clowned around in that first story the first story was terrible I, I i can see how all the pieces fall into place we can all see how the pieces fall into place right with with hindsight uh but uh yeah yeah fandom in that era yeah interesting speaking of fandom in that era i've got one more for you rob and um mm. i'm very interested to see how you react to this one have you have you somehow put them in an in an order have you sort of done that they're in the order in which they were printed, I promise. Is that right? Okay. Yes. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, so this one is called Dr. My Brain Hurts <laughs> and comes in from Shane Delphine. Okay. There is something I would like to get off my chest. Being one of those people who can only tolerate Peter Davison in small doses <laughs> and being surprised at the level to which he is worshipped by certain people who shall remain nameless. Is he talking I- about me? <laughs> I have formulated a theory that not only exposes Davison's true colours, but also explains why Colin Baker, my favourite Doctor, was the way that he was. Mm. If you'll turn to page 137 of the novelization of The Twin Dilemma, an unjustly underrated story, say I, you will see Colin's Doctor try to explain to Perry that, had he not put a stop to what I like to call Peter's pansy performance, he, quote, was in <laughs> danger of becoming neurotic. Well, fair enough. Why don't all you Davison fans, and all you anti-Colin Brigade for that matter, wake up to the fact that all the undesirable characteristics displayed by Colin's Doctor were all a direct result of Peter Davison's attempts at being a nice kinda guy? (laughs) I therefore deduce 
that the show's subsequent unpopularity and cancellation can all be traced back to Peter Davison, and that he should be blamed accordingly. I am just glad Colin stopped the rot when he did. So he might have been a little disagreeable at times, and maybe he did forget a few names here and there. Didn't Bill Hartnell do this all the time? And don't give me any of that Colin was a violent doctor crap either. Sylvester McCoy wasted the whole of Scarrow and a few million Daleks with it, for God's sake, not to mention an entire cyber fleet. Struth. Well, I just hope I opened a few people's eyes with that one. Anyway, thanks for hearing me out. Sonic goes from strength to strength, and I can't wait for the next issue. Well, I well. think <laughs> internet trolling was born uh, here, Dave. <laughs> 1991. My God, what a load of rot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I see the argument that's being put forward here. However, all doctors have tended to be a, a reaction to what's come before. Uh, Peter was a reaction to Tom, uh, without doubt. So was Colin a reaction to, to Peter? In a way, he was. At the same time, though, if you look at the kind of character Colin Baker was, that sort of, you know... <sighs> I use, I've done this before, I use the word panto and people get the wrong idea because in Britain that can be quite a put down. But he is this sort of big, hello, you know, panto kind of guy. Yep. That That's not the, the doctor, that's not the way he's written, that's just the kind of way he is, you know. So I'm not even sure that was a reaction to Peter. I think that is Colin Baker, uh, that kind of, of, of acting. So, you know, is, is it actually a reaction to, to Peter per se, to some degree it is, but to another degree, I don't think it is at all. Um, and Peter being a, what was it, a pansy? Was, was that one of the expressions? A pansy performance, yes. A pansy performance. I I will defend to my last breath having a nice doctor once in a while. Uh, the McGann doctor is very much in the Davison mould, to my way of thinking, and the McGann Doctor is is quite beloved. People love that sort of thing. You know, I, I see the Fifth and the Eighth Doctor as sort of two peas in a pod, really. I don't know how you feel about that. I can certainly see the similarities. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. You Definitely, know, they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're younger, they're kind of dashing, handsome. Uh, one of them's more Byronic than the other. That's just because he's got a good wig. But um, I see I see them as very similar. And perhaps you could say Colin and Tom are similar in some ways and not just because they share the same surname. You know, they're they're bigger. They're more bombastic. They they have a bigger presence as well. They're they're bulkier gentlemen. You know, uh, you you can draw lines between doctors, you know, Troughton and uh, McCoy are similar. They're smaller doctors, a bit clownish. You know, they both wear check pants. You know, so you can draw lines between doctors. I just don't think you can say that they're always a reaction to what's gone before. I think there are just so many character types. There are big men, there are little men, there are funny men, there are shouty men, you know, and, and they tend to double up as we go through Doctor Who, you know. And also there are broadly, I think, characteristics if you're writing for the Doctor, Terence Dix would say there there is a Doctor you write for and they can all do it. They just do it in their own way. You know, you just write for the Doctor, in quotation marks. And it'll come out as a bit more shouty or a bit more sweet or, you know, whatever. And, I mean, you see that. I, I hate, I really hate this practice, but you see at conventions where people will hand Davo, like, here's a Matt Smith speech, read it as the fifth Doctor. Yeah. 
And I, I really do hate that sort of thing. I think it's cheesy, and I, I, I think it's kind of a slap in the face to the Doctor Who's speech it originally is. However, it does bear, bear out my point that different Doctors can read exactly the same words in different ways and be their own Doctor. So I think Uncle Terence was perfectly correct to say that, you know, you just write the Doctor and everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, and I think that there's been a bit of a pushback as actors have become more comfortable just saying they're not going to do that sort of stuff for the reasons you've said, because I haven't seen one of those online for a while now. That's true. That's true. I, well, maybe it could be because they haven't been, you know, conventions over the past year for a, a very maybe. big reason. But yeah, I the first time I saw it, I was kind of intrigued by that practice. I thought, oh, that's really interesting because it was... Um, might have been Sylvester reading a Capaldi speech or something like that. And I thought, that's that's really curious. But the more I thought about it and the more I saw of it, I thought, oh my God, a convention's just going to fill up with people stepping up to the mic with you know a script in their hand and like demanding that the, uh, the, the doctor on stage, you know, dance for them like a, a dancing bear or dancing monkey. You know, yeah. here, act for me, monkey. I've paid my convention fee. Read this. Uh, and I guess initially the doctors who did it were a bit maybe taken aback and like, oh sure, yeah, okay, I'll do that because I don't, I don't want to come across as a prick. But yeah, as you say, perhaps they are pushing back a bit more. Perhaps they've got strategies now for dealing with it now that it's happened a few times to them. Uh, and I would, I dare say, one of those strategies would be like I say. I, I think it is a slap in the face to to do your version of something because then people start comparing and saying, oh. Look, Davo did Matt Smith's speech better than Matt Smith, and that's just rude. Yes, no, I think so as well. Um, and just my final thought on reading that letter as well is I'm just reminded of having been in fandom at that time where you were either on Team Davo mm-hmm. or you were on Team Colin, and, you know, Montagues and Capulets, those two teams did not work together, see eye to eye. And, and, and you know, Colin was a very divisive doctor at the time. Oh, Without doubt. I mean, I, I look back on some of his TV appearances now, like when he was doing the late night circuit, not that it's a very big circuit in the UK back in the mid 80s, but he was appearing on Wogan and stuff like that. And his attitude, you know, again, I, I was saying earlier, his doctor's performance is kind of how he really is. He he does come across as slightly smug and a bit arrogant. And you know what? Davo can too. Davo's got quite a... a a good sense of humor and can often say some really sly stuff in his interviews but it just doesn't <laughs> yes. come across as uh as uh as uh you know as as colin doing it you know which can just seem that little bit arrogant and i can see why people would think that of him personally at the time as much as i love dave i was actually okay with the sixth doctor i didn't like his costume thought some of the stories were rubbish but i i wasn't really drawn into that at all i've got to say no absolutely but you, you you're right your very first comment i think was right you can see the the origins of of that online fan trolling bitter divisive debate um in the letters pages of magazines in the colon era or, or around the colon era yeah yeah absolutely and like i say the more i read doctor who magazines of, of the era to find future episodes of this i see it as well uh i think people surely can't be writing this just for the the sake of writing this they're trying to get a rise out of you know people they're trying they're trying to troll not that we had that that uh, thought back in those days it wasn't a term you know but it's absolutely what people were doing 
No, you're absolutely right. But we have just ticked over the 20-minute mark of the episode, which is about how long we like these to go for. Good so work. we will wrap it up there. Rob, thank you. It's very, very good to swap roles. Uh, next month, we'll be back with another with a guest. Yes. And uh, the month after that, we'll be back to our traditional roles. <laughs> yes, we will. This was quite an experience, Dave. It was. I'm sure we'll do it again. But until uh, then, we'll speak soon. We will. Bye. Bye. Bye.